Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 64 is entitled, The Law of Liberty. If we want liberty, we must return to the law of liberty. The law of liberty is defined by James in the Holy Bible. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. James 2, 10-12 Where do we find the commandments, Thou shalt not commit adultery, and thou shalt not kill? In the Ten Commandments, of course. They are part of the last five commandments. Listen to the last five commandments as Linda reads them and try to imagine how America would change if all government officials, all members of the press, all captains of industry, and indeed all of us, applied them in our lives. Thousands of laws could be stricken from the books, and we would be a free nation once again. Prices would plummet. Jails would empty. No more passwords, no more locks and keys. Our cities and towns and communities and streets would be safe. The list is endless. 6. Thou shalt not kill. 7. Thou shalt not commit adultery. 8. Thou shalt not steal. 9. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. 10. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. The five laws above are summed up in what James calls the royal law. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial to yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor, Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. James 2, 2-9 It can also be called the law of equality, for it says, If ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. If we live the royal law perfectly, all laws could be strengthened from the books. But of course the millennium is not here, and we must live in our present-day reality. However, freedom will not be reestablished in this land until our laws are in harmony with the law of liberty. I remember once a billionaire of great influence saying, We should remove the seventh commandment. Pause for a moment and ask yourself what social evils, what plagues are upon us today because of uninhibited sexual activity. You want just a few? Poverty. Divorce. 
children without parents, prisons, gangs, rapes, drug abuse, alcoholism, teen pregnancy, lower education, suicides, depressions, all lead back to broken homes. Just read the studies. The subject has been evaluated by experts for decades, and their conclusions are bleak. Anything that destroys the family is an enemy to democracy. It is the family that primarily establishes values, whether good or evil. The answer to the law of liberty is common sense and decency. We simply must uphold the laws of the land and require our leaders to uphold the laws of the land. Lying in high office and in the press is so commonplace today that we no longer expect the truth. Freedom is dead as long as lying is acceptable to the press and to the public. Most of the evils of society today stem from the violation of the last five commandments. Government spends most of its money paying for the sins of those who violate the last five commandments. James makes another very profound statement. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. James 1.27 If we lived the royal law, government welfare would disappear. All charity would be taken care of on a local level, voluntarily. If government does not, in its laws, address the laws of the last five commandments, it will spend all of its time and money trying to fix the consequences. But there is an even higher law than the law of liberty. It is what James calls the perfect law of liberty. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. James 1.19-25 The perfect law of liberty could be summed up in a single word, charity, or pure love. The Apostle Paul defines the attributes of charity. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, And though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. 
Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-13 Remember Christ's answer when he was asked, What was the greatest commandment? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40 We practice the first great law of liberty by living the first five commandments. 1. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 2. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. 3. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. 4. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 5. Honor thy father and thy mother. We practice the second great commandment by living the last five commandments. In fact, the four laws listed above constitute the key to a perfect society. 1. The law of liberty. 2. The perfect law of liberty. 3. The royal law. 4. The law of equality. Government can pass laws dealing with the law of liberty, but government cannot force people to live the perfect law of liberty, the royal law, or the law of equality. That is a matter of conscience. The law of liberty will set us free temporally. The perfect law of liberty will set us free spiritually. We can all make a difference by upholding those laws in our own lives. There is no greater contribution a person can make to freedom and liberty than this, that one, to the best of his ability, lives the four laws of free will, freedom, agency, and liberty. We know from living scriptures that God will uphold a nation if he can find enough righteous people who will obey those laws of liberty. There are two battlefronts, many I suppose if we break them down. But if we take a broader view, one is against our mortal enemies and the other is against Satan, our immortal enemy. Our mortal enemies are those who wish to tear down our republic, whether in our nation or beyond our borders. Our mortal enemies are large in number and growing, and they are organized, even forming secret societies dedicated to our destruction. It is the signs of the times. There are conspiracies enough among our mortal enemies, and there are frightening signs of high-level collusion, where those who break the law are protected by the very groups who should be enforcing the law. They grow rich in secret while we grow poor openly. There are many secret conspiracies, but there is only one grand conspirator and that is Satan. Satan is the invisible power behind all attacks on freedom. He has a single plan. That plan is to destroy happiness and liberty, and to replace them with misery and captivity. He has an uncanny ability to take fragmented man and recruit them to work in solidarity with him, though they are at odds with each other. Contention is Satan's primary tool, and no one organizes contention better than Satan. 
and he is focused on achieving his goal. We rightfully consider the Revolutionary War and the Civil War as battles for freedom. In the balance was the existence of our democratic republic. The enemies then were defined by the color of their coats. The war we are waging for our freedom today is as great, if not greater, than both of the other two wars combined. It is defined by John by the color of our linen. In the final battle before Christ comes, those dressed in white linen will be in the army of the Lord. And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Revelation nineteen eleven through 14 This is captured in America's favorite battle hymn, written by Julie Ward Howe. It came out of the Civil War. The author was listening to the ballad John Brown's Body when a preacher asked her to append new words to the song. Howe is recorded as saying, I awoke the next morning in the gray of the early dawn, and to my astonishment found that the wished-for lines were arranging themselves in my brain. I lay quite still until the last verse had completed itself in my thoughts, then hastily arose, saying to myself, I shall lose this if I don't write it down immediately. I began to scrawl the lines almost without looking. Having completed this, I lay down again and fell asleep, but not before feeling that something of importance had happened to me. The battle hymn is as relevant today as it was then. I shall end this podcast by having Linda read the words of The Battle Hymn of the Republic. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. I have seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. They have builded him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea, with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free, while God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.